holy gods and goddesses. May we remember the deeds of our ancestors and look to the future of our children. We acknowledge our weird and the three sisters who tend it. They laws did make, they lives did choose. For the children of men, they marked their fate. Hello, and welcome to the Hugenhoff Podcast, Episode 2. Today, my guest is Lore, a kin member of ours, and Lauren, my githy, of course, and I am Byron the Gothi. Once again, our website is www.hugenhoff.org, and our email address for the podcast is hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, that said, uh, keep in mind that if you go to the website under the podcast section, there should be show notes, and that's also where you can subscribe to this podcast. All right, so let's take a moment before we jump in there. Lore, you haven't been here before, so do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Uh, Sure. Hello, I'm Lore. I call myself that because I have been made the Lore Warden and the Law Speaker. So, that's who I am here. That's about all I have to say about myself. I'm not one of those people that just <laughs> ramble on a lot, sorry. Oh, no, 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 that's fine. Um, one of the reasons I invited you is because I, uh, I think I said in the first episode that I want to try to get some different people for some different views about Ossetru, about the gods, um, about what Asatru is. So today, the first thing we're going to be discussing is different views of the gods. Now, last episode, episode one I had with Lauren, we discussed our view of the gods, and we would say things a lot like, this is this is one way to see the gods, but this is how, how we see them. And that, that meant Lauren and I, how Lauren and I actually saw the nature of the gods. Um... When you're thinking about being Ossetru or in a kindred, as I said last time, there's a lot of emphasis on individuality and free will. Not all people in a kindred will necessarily see the gods in exactly the same way. There's some things that do have to be the same. You know, you have to believe in the gods in some sense or another, and you have to believe however you believe in them or however you see them, whatever way that is, you you would have to see them as a positive force. Otherwise, you couldn't honor them in a group with other people. So uh, the first thing I'm going to do is, uh, last time I think you remember that Lauren and I were talking about we see the gods as actual entities, actual gods who could, who you could um, commune with and talk with and get answers from and, and everything else. Lore has a slightly different view of the gods, and I wanted to turn it over to you, Lore, so you could tell people how you see the gods. Okay. Um... Slightly is a, a word I don't know if I would use. Uh, I think we can all all agree that they are positive, and like like you had said. But uh, the way I tend to view it is more. I don't want to use the term atheistic, but that kind of is a very easy way to kind of use uh, a definition that we all kind of share in common. But I believe that they are, or probably were, our ancestors. In the actual physical sense, I don't know whether or not they were the kings or what, but they are very important to our ancestors and our people. Uh, the keeping the memory alive is very important. Um, I tend to see them as as kind of shapers of our society and kind of 
how we live day to day is based upon the memory of them. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how else to say it. So it, it's very important to remember them and honor them because this is kind of where we come from is the way mm-hmm. I see it. And I suppose um, you'd probably also agree that when we read the Eddas or the lore, the stories of the gods, there are things in there that even today we can use to improve our lives. There are lessons in there, possible morals, which would be um, good or bad, which can teach us lessons about how to live our own lives better. Would that be correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's there as a learning tool. It, it's there as a record and a memory for what has gone before, and if, you know, it's been said many times before, but if you don't remember your past, you're bound to repeat it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if there's any negative in there, we should remember it because we shouldn't walk down that path, and if there's any positive, we should take that and see how far we can take any positives. I mean, the law system that we have now kind of basically, or at least in the Americas, and our kind of law system is based upon the all thing or the things. Yeah. So I I find that very important. Yes. uh, Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, And I think it's interesting to discuss uh, what is the nature of a god and stuff, but there's there's a book I've been reading, and uh, it's not exactly related to Ossetru, but it's, it's related to, I guess you'd say, sort of things like magic in general. You know, when you do something like, like you summon a deity or you cast a spell or whatever you do, it actually doesn't really matter how it works as long as it does work on a very pragmatic basis. You know, if you're having a problem and you ask Odin for help and then he gives you advice which lets you figure out your problem and and fix it, I personally believe Odin actually came down and spoke with you and helped you. Another person may believe that they saw Odin come down and help them, but it's just a figure of their imagination. Another person may believe that Odin's stories inspired us, and it was the uh, the accumulation of all his ancestors coming together. All of their shared knowledge came and and put itself together in their mind and help them solve the problem. Ultimately, it doesn't matter because the problem was still solved. You mm-hmm. had the same results. However, I do think that it's it's interesting to talk about different views and, and how you see them and everything else. Uh, so what other different views of the gods do we want to talk about? Um, well, you just talked about working with the gods there. And I will work with them as well. Um those who know me in the kindred know that I am very strongly attached to the god Heimdall. And I don't know, just emotionally and everything, too. But it's more... I don't want to say that there's an actual separate entity, Heimdall, that I'm working with. But I think all the gods are in all of us. And I don't know if it's genetic memory or whatever, but... I just feel that they're with us and that some of them are felt stronger than others. Maybe it's more closely linked genetically or whatnot. But when I work with them and I'm trying to get advice or anything like that, it's more of a I'm delving deeper into inside myself and finding that part of me that is closer to Heimdall. Mm. And, that's, and that's how I work with them. Okay. 
That's interesting because a lot of people, I think myself included, when you're working with one particular god or the other, you will be trying to bring out things in yourself and evoke certain parts of your own nature. You know, if you were working with Odin, maybe you'd be uh, trying to uh, strengthen or bring out your more intellectual linguistic side, and that's why you'd work with him. So uh, that's interesting that even though we can have different views of the gods, in a lot of senses, we're kind of doing the same thing. And if it's Odin coming down and and helping pull those parts out of us, or if they are, you know, somehow genetically in us and we personified them with gods or or whatever however it works it seems to be very much the um kind of the same thing that's happening well, uh, I, I i think a lot of it has to do it seems like we're doing things differently it's just that we're going about them it's linguistics and the problem with linguistics is we can't convey how we actually are doing things or how we actually feel or think we just come about them in a different fashion. If we're raised in a certain way, we're going to have a different kind of language. And the way I generally deal with it is in the languages of more uh, structured and more logical. And where you seem to go about it in a more, uh, I, I don't know, religious and, and open kind of way where everything's connected and, and there's outside forces. Right. Whereas mine feels more internal, even though they they originated in an external fashion. It, it's just linguistics. And I think a lot of people have, um, they may all feel the same way, but the wars will start because we're saying things in a slightly different fashion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And the power of language is rather significant. Um, uh, one of these days on the podcast, I will get into my actual really convoluted theory of what gods are. I, I do think they're real um, and objective, but it it brings in a very different understanding of language. Reality. And, <laughs> well, reality in general, language, language is a lot more real than most people think it is, and quote-unquote reality is a lot less real than most people think it is, is, is kind of what it falls to for me. So, the power of worth is is absolutely paramount. We we um we build our worlds through the words that we say. So if you're coming from this, uh, let's say from a very scientifically a, a very scientific background or even a very logical background, the way that you couch your terms of what deity is 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 probably going to be different than if you had come from it from a very different background and I think my study of philosophy of science and, and the fact that I uh, think that science is pragmatic more than it's true also very much influences the way I see the rest of the world. So there's there's a lot of things coming in to um, influence exactly how we see these things. Um, I was kind of going to move on from this into something that it led to naturally, but before I did that, did uh, Laura or Lauren, did you have some other comments you wanted to make? No. Um, only that definitions have a lot to do with the way you perceive the world. 
such as some cultures, the word death is negative. In some cultures, it's actually a positive. So even though you may be saying the same word that means the same thing, there's actual hidden definitions behind, like intentions. So, of course, there's going to be a, a different kind of way of... Everyone has a different way of viewing things, just based upon that simple statement there. Mm, okay, yeah. I think what this kind of leads to is... When we talk about the idea of being able to see the gods in different ways, you kind of start talking about, well, if you can see the gods all these ways, what is it that keeps the kindred together? Or what says you can be this kindred or you can't be in this kindred? Sort of like if I wanted to go to a Christian church, I would have to believe that Jesus was literally, well, if I wanted to go, let's say the Catholic Church, I'd have to believe Jesus was literally the Son of God. Um, and if I didn't believe that, I thought that he was a, a story or a way to remember your ancestors, I wouldn't be allowed into the church. So I am kind of, I think I'm going to put a put a couple documents in the in the show notes. I'm going to link to a couple documents, which is going to be our statement of purpose first. Um, mm-hmm. What is it that we're actually trying to do? So I'm just, it looks like we've got three main things that we're trying to do in the Hugenhoff kindred. Uh, let's see. So I say the Hugenhoff kindred was, okay, I don't care about, uh, <laughs> it's a place to hold religious celebrations of the Azir and the Vanir, the gods and goddesses of Northern Europe. Our goal is threefold. One, to create a space where the gods can commune with us and we can honor them. Uh, what do you guys think of that? Kind of reading through here. <laughs> I'm not sure what you would like me to say. I mean, yeah. to me, that that's a statement that makes sense because that's kind of what the, the kindred was built for or created for is a place where we would, you know, Talk about the gods, commune with the gods, uh, remember and honor. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to kind of read through this. It says, we will call our gods to hold sacred commune with us through ritual and ceremony. Uh, That's just admitting that if you're going to be in the kindred, our way, there's a lot of ritual and ceremony. And it depends on the background you come from. If you come from the Catholic Church, we actually hardly have any ritual and ceremony. Uh, it's (laughs) it's, It's a relatively short ritual that we do that's to the point um but i think it's effective because i do believe in ritual because it does put you in a certain state and it makes Mm -hmm. you comfortable and so on and so forth but this the second line i think is most important we will also create a space that is conducive to personal religious experience as we believe experiential knowledge is the most valuable i want to dwell on that for a moment um the reason we all view the gods differently, the reason we all view people differently, reality differently, the reason we think some books are bad and some books are good, all comes from the fact that we have personal experiential knowledge. We will all see things and interact with things differently and create our own sort of reality from the things that we interact with. So the kindred is not so much a thing to say, we believe this, or, or, or I believe this, and I want you also to believe exactly the same way I believe. It's not me. I don't, I don't preach. I don't have a 
uh, speech that I just sit up there and and tell everybody to believe and just talk for an hour. What we do is we have a ceremony and then we pass around a horn where each person will drink from it and say something. Honor one of the gods, um, honor their family, um, make boasts, say something that they are proud of, and stuff like that. So what the purpose of the ritual is, is to make an experience where you can have those religious experiences. But I don't want to tell you which religious experiences to have. I just want to make a place where it can happen. Thoughts? Well, um, ritual is very important. Uh, I agree, because it does get you in that mindset, whether you are religious or not. It is very good to have a set pattern, because even with meditation, which doesn't have to be religious at all, you have no, a certain there's a certain pattern that you take to get there, and it makes it much easier to do. And I think, I think the ritual and and bloats that we do are a form of group meditation, kind of. It's it, you may all have absolutely different experiences, and that's fine. But it it's interesting to have this collective experience that we all view differently. But I I I, I think that's what it is, and. Yes, we should all have our own individual viewpoint, and I'm glad that we don't have to force anything down anyone's throats. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, I like the fact that you brought up meditation, because I think that's something that I would think most people can kind of connect to, that meditation is something that you can do, right, if you're religious or not, it doesn't matter, that you can do to understand yourself and your relation to the world more deeply. And yeah, kind of the idea that this is a group meditation where we're all doing this thing together, it, it very much strengthens the bonds I think you have with other people, but no two people will have the exact same experience when they come out of it, but hopefully they'll have positive experiences and good experiences that will get them closer to uh, their version of the truth. Uh, Lauren, did you have anything else to say on that? Um. No, I think it's, I mean, I think it's interesting, not interesting, but I think it's important that you make it so open that um, that's not necessarily true in every group that you get into. And some people are more focused on the ceremony and the ritual than they are about the people. And I don't know. I think that it's good to be open. Okay. Um, and that's kind of moving on from there. Uh, we just talk about how we have a folkish belief in the gods, and we define that here as believing we should honor these gods, the Norse gods, and only these gods because we see them as our ancestral gods. Uh, we believe that all people do have a set of ancestral gods. One set is not better than the other, but they do care more for their descendants. We also believe only an individual can know which set of ancestral gods is there is theirs. To be folkish, <clears throat> you must honor your ancestral gods as a connection to the past and the line of your ancestors leading to these gods. Um, so let's, since it's since it's part of one of the statements of purpose, let's go ahead and re-explore re folkism, which we hit on in the last podcast. Um, Lord, did you have some additional thoughts on what, what is folkish? Well, I want, I want to be first and foremost to say we are folkish, we have a group of people that are folkish, and we invite people in that are folkish. That in no way says that we want, or that we would force people to do the do a different religion if they're say black. 
That's right. their choice to do. Whether or not we think it's the correct thing to do, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But we, since we happen to be folkish, we want to honor our ancestors, and that's what, to me, that's what Austria is about, is honoring your ancestors. And to be anything but folkish would not be honoring your ancestors. Right, and I think I sort of hit on that in maybe the first episode or the introductory episode. And if I didn't, I want to hit on it again. In a lot of ways, I think that me personally, maybe the kindred, and and I I hope the rest of us are true, I think it's true, view religion a little bit differently than maybe some other groups do, especially Christianity or any religion that's just trying to proselytize and get as many people as they can have. The main focus, the main focus, the main focus of also true for me is a connection to your past and the people who came before you. I think Lore stated earlier that uh, someone who doesn't know their past, someone who doesn't study their history is doomed to repeat it. Um, that's part of it. We want to see what have we done in the past, what have we done right, what have we done wrong. And also, I mean, these are the people that we come from genetically for, you know, diseases or talents like I discussed in the introductory episode. Um, These are the people that raised us. Uh, I think it's extremely important to connect to the people who came before you to see what they did and was it good or bad and do you want to emulate that because... Regardless of if you like it or not, you are predestined to be more likely to fall into the same patterns that your ancestors did. So you have to be very aware of the bad ones and ready to foster the good ones. Hmm. Um, Lauren, did you have any thoughts on that? No. Um, Lord, did you have some anything else to say on the idea of focus? Um, I don't believe so. I think I think we've both stated it pretty concisely. Um, if there's anything else that needs to be explained, hopefully we'll get an email and we'll be able to further inform them how we view it and perhaps help them. Okay, very good. But I am glad you brought that up again because um, there is it's absolutely important to mention it's very different from racism. We don't think that we're better than anybody else. We just think that our our ancestors and our families are important. And I think it's important for any set of people to believe the same thing, to look towards their ancestors and see what they did. And a lot of groups of people actually do that. There's a lot of other folkish religions from the Native American religion to the Shinto to religion where they're trying to reconnect with their with their ancestors and I think that's really a great a great thing to do and a great way to live. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to number two. Um, in the statement of purpose it says to create a place where we can discuss and learn more about Asatru and our gods. Um, so this is a good one. This is talking about um, discussing the tenets of our religion, the things we learn from the sagas and the lore, and also the things we learn from our own personal gnosis or the gods themselves, um, things we hear from other people. And it says we'll create an environment of questioning and learning free from judgments. Um, let's go ahead and discuss that a bit, whoever. I like this one a lot, mostly because 
one of the huge disillusions for me with the Christian church was, and it's such a silly thing, but I'll never forget it because it was such a formational time in my childhood. But when I was like six or seven, I went to a, um, oh, what's that, that dumb thing that Catholics do? The um, retreats and things like over the summer, most Christian churches do them. But in that time, I was a really geeky kid that loved space stuff like I was going to be an astronaut that was my deal was space stuff right so I just asked this lady well what about aliens like if God created people who created the aliens like in all of my childhood innocence obviously aliens existed we just hadn't met them yet Mm -hmm. so and immediately she struck that down with such horrifying um eyes like she couldn't believe that I would say that like I was just this wretched child for asking um and that she made it obvious at that point that questioning anything in Christianity was not an option Um, to question God, to question the religion, to question anything was an insult. So it's really great to have this space where we can not only question our own beliefs, but, um, but the beliefs of other people and not in a hostile way in a really welcoming um, educational way where we can learn for ourselves from other people. Yeah, absolutely. Lord, did you have anything to add? Well, I mean, it's the Hugenhoff kindred after all. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which I think you said last episode what Hugen meant, right? Yeah, you can mention it again, though. Well, it's the thought home. Because we have Hugen and Munin, which are the uh, two ravens of Odin, and uh, Munin, of course, is memory, and then Hugen is thought. So we are the thought home, and we like to think. And I think rule number two, or or statement of purpose number two, not rule, is uh, one of those founding structures that we had for even forming the kindred. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, I don't know about you, but uh, if you haven't noticed, (laughs) Rofexen likes to talk about things. (laughs) I love discussing things as well. And... The lore is just so interesting, and what you can delve deeply into and uh, deconstruct and reconstruct, it's it's fascinating, and it's just a lot of fun. At least, in my geeky mind, it's very fun, so I guess I'm <laughs> also true geek. There you go. All right. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's it's very true that there's, there's a lot of questions to be asked, and so much of the time we can... With religion, uh, you can fall into you can fall into the realm of dogma, where you just believe this because you're supposed to believe it. Like Lauren said about her church, they apparently didn't question anything because they're just like, nope, this is the truth, and you must believe it. And I think in our society at large, we're starting to fall into this thing where where people just say things over and over again, and they expect us to eventually just believe them without question, and it leads to to bad results in in my opinion um when you don't have people pushing the border when you or pushing the envelope when you don't have people asking new questions uh i think you can see it in science because it is so important for new questions to be asked so we can make new discoveries and if you think back to the time when newtonian physics was big Obviously, it did a lot of good things, and most people would just believe it dogmatically, and if it didn't describe something like um, Neptune's orbit, they'd just be like, oh, well, 
well, there's probably a reason. Let's just put that on the shelf. But it, it took until Einstein really had the courage to stand up and say, well, I've got this new theory, and I think it's right. It took him having the courage to say, I'm going to question the standard, the status quo. And then it took the courage of all the other people um, looking at Einstein's theory to revolutionize the world and give us things like nuclear power. And you can argue if that's good or bad, but still we have a tool that we can use now that we used to not have. And certainly all sorts of other good things came about it, but someone had to question the status quo. So I don't want to put anybody in a position where they have to have to take a risk and be afraid that that they're going to be knocked down because they question something they shouldn't question. And my rule has always been, you know, we discuss these things after bloat. And if you have <clears throat> questions about Loki or the Giants and, and you even think they might be positive forces, you can ask that after bloat and we can discuss that. Of course, the ceremony is a little bit different. You don't you don't want to start doing something radical then because you you haven't gone over the rest of gone over it with the rest of the kindred rather so so i said last time you would be asked to leave if you hailed Lo loki or the giants which is very true but if you asked why is loki bad after the bloat that that would be uh met with um an open discussion and a discussing of why it was that he's bad and so on and so forth so it's just a way to keep us from falling into dogma, which is the biggest risk for most anything. When If it comes to science or politics or religion, which is what we're talking about here, we always have to move forward. And, and I really think the giants are kind of the, the symbolism of the stagnant forces and the dogmatic forces that stop us from moving, and that's exactly what we're fighting. Okay, now that I've ranted, did anyone have any response to that? Um, well, the bloat is for everyone in bloat, including the idea of the gods. And mm -hmm. we want it to be a positive experience for everyone in, you know, in the bloat. And if you want to include the gods, which you should, because that's what it's about, uh, well, it's about you and the gods. It's about a mixture of our, our ancestry and everything like that. But you want it to be a positive experience for everyone. You wouldn't want to ruin it. By bringing up horrible things, and you mentioned that last time too. Yes. So it, it, but afterwards we're all discussing things. You can bring up bad things afterwards because it, it's it's done, and you're in the mood to talk about things, and that's absolutely fine. But like, right. brain, it, it's for everyone, and you don't. Again, you don't want to ruin it for everyone. Sorry, I just keep repeating myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I mean that that's absolutely what I was trying to get at. Yeah, you don't want to ruin it for everyone. Uh, let's move on to the final statement of purpose, which is to create a group of dedicated kinsmen and kinswomen. Before we get into this, I believe we should probably discuss what exactly kith and kin is. Mm -hmm. um, did anyone, uh, anyone want to take a stab at that? I'm talking a lot. Uh, I don't know if I have an absolute definition, so I'd, I'd more rely on the way you would you would probably form it, and then I would criticize. <laughs> um, okay, Lauren, did you want to say anything about it? About the kith and kin? What it yeah. means? Yeah. Um, well, I guess it's just, I mean, it's kind of arbitrary, but for kith, at least, it's just 
after you've been with us for um, so many bloats, um, we let you take an oath that professes your commitment to the gods. Um, uh, it's really mostly an oath between you and the gods more mm-hmm. than it is to the kindred at all. Um, it's just you saying that these are the gods that you are going to... Actually, I don't remember exactly how it is worded, the oath that you actually take, but down to it, it's just an oath between you and the gods. Um, whereas the kin is an oath between you and the kindred. So you're oathing to the individuals in the kindred um, to support them and what may be needed to come to the bloats, to um, promote the Frith and Griff and... Um, Again, I don't, I don't have it right in front of me either, so I don't know exactly what it says, but you're owing to the people um, with kin, and, I mean, with the word kin, they become sort of your extended family, whereas kith, you're owing to the gods. Yeah, I think that's, um, that's correct. Kith is owing to the gods. You know, before you... Kith isn't a, isn't a small deal by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Before you took a kith oath, you would have to be sure that you wanted to be Ossetru, because that oath would bind you to being Ossetru forever. Um, however, you could leave the kindred intact with honor at any point in time you wanted to, because you're not bound to these people, you're only bound to the gods. And then the kin oath is actually joining the kindred, and like Lauren said, it does kind of, it binds you to the kindred, um, and it sort of, it binds you to everyone in the kindred, so it sort of does become your extended family when you have an actual kin member um, or you actually become a kin member rather uh let's see yes. so i mean these are people you care about uh go ahead lore well see i would i would make it easy for people i would just say okay so kith is like you're joining a, a country you're going to become an american or something so we're all americans now cool right we can all mm. be chill and everything but then uh to be you know kin it's like getting married you know, you're you're joining families and you're coming together, and it's it's very personal. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. To uh, yeah, it it is it is almost like getting married because you are in many ways um, binding your your luck and your families together with these other people that mm-hmm. uh, you have over time grown close to, and and you want to absolutely be part of this kindred forever. Okay, so um, before we move on, did anyone have anything they wanted to say about our statement of purpose? It's A-OK with me. <laughs> A-OK. Okay. Uh, Lauren, any other thoughts on it? No. Okay. Um, I will probably also link to the uh, ritual sheet and the show notes just in case you kind of want to see, you know, uh, what our ritual actually is reading it is really not nearly the same thing as actually being there i think everyone here will attest to that um actually being present is a lot different than just you know reading these words but if you're curious what it is i i will try to remember to i will remember to link that in the show notes um let's see we've got the kindred laws which I don't really want to go into great detail into those, and I will probably go ahead and link those in the show notes too, oh, or like put the laws. on the site. Well, we can talk about the laws if you'd like to. 
Well, it depends on how much time this is. Well, we aim for an hour, I believe, since we're only a monthly podcast, and we've still got 20 minutes. Cool. I like 20 minutes. I like talking about the laws because it, it kind of shows the people or everyone in the group um, what it is that is good and bad and what we think about certain things. Okay, well, let's go ahead and go over the laws. Um, Laura, since you're you're actually our law speaker right now, do you wanna do you have the document? I do. Okay, go ahead and read the first one and let's discuss it. Okay, well, it looks like all kin members must be unanimously voted in, and I think that's simply because, well, you don't want to have some people like this guy and some people not, and then it'd just be uncomfortable for people to join in. Yeah, exactly. I think it's very important that um, we decided to do this because, like we said, this um, kin oath borders on a family connection, or mm-hmm. it's it's similar to getting married. I mean, if I join something like I join a family and then two years later, you know, somebody I just hate wants to join too, I shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to um, connect my luck with them and be bound to them by by O's that I'm not comfortable being bound to them by because maybe I don't know them. Um, or maybe I don't like them, or maybe I think they're a bad person. Lauren, did you have anything to say on that one? No, I think that's a good point. Um, if you've already established yourself in this kindred and you've already yeah, sworn oaths to these people, it would be inconsiderate for us to bring somebody else in that you are now sworn to um, you know, some type of bond with that you don't respect or don't like or you know, any other number of things, disagree with them in some way. Mm-hmm. So I think it's smart that it has to be unanimous. Okay. Uh, Laura, go ahead and read the second one. The next one we've actually talked about a bit, but uh, at bloat, Loki, frost giants, and foreign gods will not be hailed. The Aesir and the Vanir will be hailed and treated with respect. Violation of this law will result in being asked to leave the bloat and possibly the kindred at Lawspeaker and Gothi's unanimous discretion. So apparently if uh, myself and Byron decide that you've broken a law, we can ask people to leave. Uh, yes, yeah. Um, well, right, and I think that makes sense. Uh, that it's, it does. It's important. We there, has, there, has, there has to be a limit, I suppose, well, during bloats especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and go okay. to the next one. Uh, Gothi must meet and approve of all guests before they attend a bloat, so I can ask to have someone come, but they would have to meet with Byron first. Well, I would at least have to approve them. It actually says Gothi must meet or Or approve. Right. And the reason I put that, well, obviously I don't want people off the street just wandering in and being like, hey, I want to (laughs) come. If if someone like Lore or Lauren were to say, hey, this person wants to come – I trust their word because they're kin members of mine. I trust the I trust their word. I'm going to say, are they going to be okay? Are they going to behave themselves? And and if they say yes, I'll probably just approve of them. Um, but I wouldn't want someone just off the street to come in because they may create problems. They may do something disrespectful. So well, you, and you really want them to know what they're getting into before they attend because like we have rules. Right. Uh, right. Exactly. And you would want to walk them through the process of what the ritual is and what our rules are so they don't, you know, 
embarrass themselves or us or or make mistakes because we don't want people to be feeling uh, bad. bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go on to the next one. Okay, so kith or kin must be 18 years or older to oath into the kindred under 18 may participate only. So you have to be of the uh, your majority, <laughs> at least in this country, to uh, go ahead and oath to anything. Right. Yeah. And that just comes from the idea of where O's, why O's are important. Uh, we talked about how important O's are. We don't want someone who's not ready to be making an oath. We wouldn't want like a, a 13-year-old kid who's going through the, the throes of puberty to make some life-altering oath that would bind him to something for the rest for the rest of time. That just wouldn't be fair. So we made it 18 because that's the age that everything else becomes legal. Yep. Uh, okay, let's okay. That's that's one of the things I respect about this particular religion and some others that uh, you know they respect the children enough to say they don't have to actually join anything, and for the rest of their life, we're unlike uh, what is it Catholicism where you're 13 they make you join or something. Well, they I, baptize you at birth too. Well, that's true. They baptize you at birth, and then I think it's 13. There's some ritual where you're supposed to. Yeah, your first communion join for life and that doesn't seem right to me because you're really not old enough you haven't had the life experiences to make such a weighty decision at that age well and even then it's so much controlled by your parents because you're still basically their property i mean at that age you have to do what they say so if your parents say you have to take your first communion then you have to take your first communion (laughs) Right, and we could see where that could be detrimental to what we claim to believe in and also true if we had something where the parents were forcing their kids to be also true and we always talk about how important it is that you keep, that you um, have your own autonomy and everything else. So. Yeah. Okay. okay, let's go ahead and move on. All right, uh, this one should be pretty short. Gothi and Githya will retain offices for life or until they step down, which... Makes perfect sense because they're like the head of the place. Right, and um, this comes up. I mentioned uh, Hofra Kindred last time a lot. Uh, there's multiple ways to run Kindreds. Actually, some Kindreds will elect their go. They, um, and, and that's fine to do. There's nothing wrong with that. But the way the Hugenhof Kindred works is more like Hofra, where the Gothi is ultimately connected the Gothi kind of represents the kindred, and I kind of think it's my responsibility to keep the kindred going. And if I got to the point where where I was quitting, it would make more sense for everybody else to just kind of start a new kindred if they wanted to. So it's a way to identify the kindred with the Gothi, which there's good things and bad things about it, but I ultimately decided that that made sense to me, and and so I put it in there. And then I added the Githya later. It wasn't originally, the Githya wasn't originally in there. The only reason I added it is because uh, when Lorna and I got married, she had already oath to be my wife. And in essence, that puts her as my Githya as well, because the wife of the Gothi is generally speaking the Githya. So any, any further thoughts on that one? Nope. All right, let's move on. All right, here's a one. Uh, Gothi will appoint offices with the exception of Githya. 
when he got married, uh, for a term of one year at All Thing. If the future officer will be absent at All Thing, Gothi may get acceptance early, but the offices will not take effect until Thing. Right. Um, and the reason that is in there is just in case we need to change offices or anything like that. And I think I, I don't think you were at All Thing, so I just got your acceptance early that you continue with your offices. Um, it especially has to do with things like uh, the person who takes the notes. I had to make Lauren describe because, um, oh, what's her name? Our, our previous scribe. Yeah, let's put it that way. Our previous scribe stopped coming, so I couldn't really relieve her of her office because she wasn't there to be relieved at the office, but I needed a scribe because a scribe is something that needs to be there every single time. So I kind of put this in. If someone just drops off the map completely and doesn't talk to me anymore, at least we'll only be without an office for a year. And then I can assign other things, like I ended up giving Lauren the scribe thing. Um, the lore warden and law speaker, of course, that's still yours, lore, um, since we still have a... You you come to bloats when you can, so yeah. you, fill the, you fill the office to the best of your ability. And so, I'm always here, and you can always get a hold of me, and if there's any questions, any questions. that, that yeah. you can't get a hold of, I will dig as much as I can. Yeah, I haven't had a really good lore question for you for a while. But <laughs> the and I actually uh, talked to I kind of stole this law from the Hofbrau Kindred, but I think that's why they had it too because they had somebody just kind of fall off the face of the earth and and never talk to him again. So so that's why that one is in there. Okay. We'll okay. Move on. Uh, go ahead. All right. To be an invited guest, you must a be invited by the Gothi. Obviously, uh, B, be focused also true, seriously considering being focused also true, or be a family member to include a significant other of someone in the kindred coming of your own free will, free of coercion. This is probably the one that most directly relates to what we were talking about earlier. Since we don't say that you have to believe this way to be in the kindred, um, what is it that you have to do? to be into the kindred or to to come to the kindred uh and of course be invited by the gothi is true this was actually really difficult because i have this situation come up a lot where there will be somebody who wants to come to the kindred let's say there's a married couple and the husband wants to come to the kindred because he's also true but the wife she wants to support her husband and be there for him, but she's not actually considering being Ossetro. It seems, with our focus on family and how important family is in Ossetro, it seems almost hypocritical to to make laws that, by their nature, force families apart and tear families apart. So this law is sort of saying, if you... If, let's say, your husband is Austro and wants to come to the kindred, automatically his wife or his kid could also attend as long as they weren't being forced to go. The husband can't be like, no, you will come to my kindred or come to the kindred and do bloats because that's wrong. She's being forced to go. But if she's going just to support her husband, I think that's appropriate because ultimately it's um, enhancing those ties of family. 
but let's go ahead and and open this one up for a little bit of debate. Uh, Lord, did you have something to say about it? Yes, and that would be, of course, even if you're married to someone who's in the kindred, even if they happen to be kin, kinsmen, and you're not, you still have to follow the rules. Yes. You're, yeah. not, you're not free of that, so we can't ask you to leave still if you're just oh, being yeah. a complete Disruptive. jerk. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that they would be. I'm not saying that they would be. It's, it's just a possibility that we have to think of, and that's why we have the rules. <laughs> right. They are still bound by the rest of the laws, and it's. I think it's only happened, I think it's happened two, about two times, where someone, in both cases, somebody wanted to bring their wife, and they weren't, their wife was not true, but they were, um, or wife or girlfriend in, in that realm Mm -hmm. uh and in both times i was like as long as she follows all the rules you tell her what's going on and of course i have a talk to say what is and is not appropriate that's fine because she's your family but what's important is i don't on the other hand the other side of the coin is i don't want to open up the kindred and and be a freak show i don't want my friends be like what's that (laughs) weird also true thing you do i want to watch and put it on youtube i'm not just going to invite anybody over beside if you don't have a family member in there you have to actually be folkish also true or seriously consider being folkish also true because if you're thinking about what religion you are you might want to look at it look at what we do before you actually join but I don't want to just open this up to be some strange curiosity for people. I don't think that's respectful to the other members, and I don't think that's respectful to the gods. And it's hard to have a really good bloat um, unless you feel like you're in a secure place where you can talk. Because we talk at bloats. Like It's yes. not just you talking about religion to us. It's all of us talking about what's important to us or what we're thinking about during the bloat. Yeah. And you, it's hard. You have to be open. To have a really good bloat, and if some strangers are just staring at you or it's being recorded, you don't feel as open. And you want to have a very personal experience, and you can't do that when you have you know, people you can't trust there. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's very true. Um, because we have um, around to the gods and then around to the ancestors and then around where we... we make a boast that we're going to do something good or we brag about something that we did well and then we have an open round and you can see those last three rounds you know you're talking about your family you're talking about your personal life your hopes and your dreams and what you've done good or bad you don't want to do that in front of strangers and even inviting new people who are legitimately considering becoming also true the first couple bloats are sometimes difficult because you're around these people that you don't know well. You're around these these new people, but at, at least they're people who have said that they're going to come back, and you kind of say, okay, I'm less comfortable, but I can push forward because this person is trying to understand religion, and I want to help them. But if it's just a curiosity, just something people did for fun, I mean, why would you make the bloat so much difficult on yourself, more difficult on yourself and open yourself up so much when you're not really even helping them? They're just curious. Right. I'm not going to make myself uncomfortable for your curiosity, <laughs> but I will if you're trying to um, understand the gods, because I think as a Gothi, I do have that responsibility. Because, I mean, um, yeah. I, it's a very emotional experience for me a lot of the time. 
And it's usually an emotional experience for me, and, and I would say everybody else who's at the bloat. So, I mean, I really, I don't really want my emotions on display. <laughs> right, for exactly. random people, yeah. Right. That's why these bloats will never be uploaded to YouTube or something. Right. It's, it's a very special thing, and not just anyone. I don't want just anyone seeing it. So that's kind of why I put that in there. Um, anything else we wanted to mention in there? I don't believe so. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the next one then. Okay, you will be considered a guest of the Kindred until you take the Kin Oath. So you can still take the you know Kith Oath, but you're still a guest because you didn't oath to us yet. Exactly, right. Um, yeah, you'll, yeah. So, oh, what's it say? Guest of the kindred until taking the kin. Yeah, yeah, that's right, because you may have now oath to Osatru, but you have an oath to us, so you're sort of still in that guest uh, category. So that's that's pretty straightforward. Uh, anything else to say on that? Um, no, I mean, we even have people who haven't even taken the, the kith oath or the kin oath, and they're some of the more close people that we have when we do bloats. So, yeah, I mean, it's you're still a guest, but we can be very close with you. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's another thing I think about Austria when we talk about how important oaths are. There's no honor in not taking an oath. There's honor in taking an oath and breaking it. So we don't want to push people into taking the kith oath because they get some benefit or taking the kin oath because they get some benefit. We're not going to kick them out because they haven't taken that oath. Now, there are benefits for taking the, the kin oath, the kith oath, and especially the kin oath because you do have a, a, an even closer connection with these other people. But the benefits aren't something like you're allowed to go to bloat. There's something much deeper t than that. There's something that's like, I have sworn that I will protect these people and these people will be part of my life. The oath is a reward in itself, but it's not something I would ever push on somebody else. It's like, again, like getting married. That's exactly. the reward. The reward is exactly. to be in that relationship. You don't get married for the tax breaks or whatever. Uh, you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't. You shouldn't get married for the tax breaks. You should get married because you want to bind yourself to that person. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That is the reward of the oath that you made. And it's the same thing with the kin oath here. So I wouldn't push somebody into it um, because I just don't think it would be right to push somebody into it. Okay. Um, we are getting close to the end of the show, so let's go ahead and finish up these laws and then do our final words. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Only individuals who are folkish also true are allowed into the kindred via the kin oath, which means you can still be kith uh, and say the kith words, but you wouldn't be allowed into the kindred unless you're folkish, because we've already stated the folkish stuff uh, previously, though. Right. It's kind of that's kind of a silly law, actually. It's redundant. It's redundant because um, it says you can only come to the. Oh, I think I know what it is. I think I put that in there because remember, if I have like a focus also true guy and his wife is coming, mm -hmm. well, his wife cannot take the kin oath. Because she's not actually Austrue, or at least she's not Folkish Austrue, even though she's coming to bloat, just coming to bloat isn't enough. You have to actually be the religion. So it was, it was to um, fill a loophole. Okay. That's why it's there. All right. Shall we move oh, on? 
All right. Any kin member can petition a thing to the law speaker or go the if the law speaker is unavailable uh, to be held after the next bloat. Just in case there's an emergency law to change, I guess. Yep. We just uh, it's all about the laws at that point. Uh, shall we continue? Uh huh. All voting must be unanimous. So if there's going to be a vote, hopefully it would have to come to a unanimous thing to have something happen. Yes. Yep. Uh, See here, only kin may hold an office, so if you're going to be in the kindred as an office holder, which there are several, uh, you have to be kin. Mm-hmm. I'll continue. For kith or kin status, petition may be... Eh. For kith or kin status, a petition must be given to the Gothi and be unanimously voted on for, by the kindred, so another unanimous thing that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, go ahead. All right. Eh. Okay, why am I having a... Eligibility. Uh, could you say the word Eligib- for me? Eligibility. For kindred, <laughs> kith, you have to have 12 executive bloats or at least one year to be confer- conferred at the all thing or yule. So that's if you want to take the kith oath. Or kin, after establishment of kith, that means you already have to be kith for the 12 consecutive bloats or a year. Uh, one more year is required and 12 bloats to be conferred at all thing or yule. We have two different times a year where we can do that. Right, and and I just want to stress that you'll notice you have to go to each of the 12 bloats to bind yourself to Ossetru because maybe you go to six of them and you like everything you see, but then you get to the volley bloat, which, which emphasizes um, vengeance, and you don't like that. Or maybe you get to the Balder bloat, which emphasizes rebirth, and you don't like that part. You have to see all different aspects of Ostatru before you're able to bind yourself to it. And then, Ken, I wanted to put another 12 bloats on there because, you know, maybe maybe after – usually if you're with people after the first year is usually pretty good and you get along with them. But if you're going to have some major differences and fightings and things just aren't going to work, those usually show up around a year and a half or so. So, you know, I just put it two years. So we wouldn't have people owing to the kindred who weren't ready to owe to the kindred yet. That's kind of my thoughts there. Okay. All right, you can go on. All right, to have a bloat, there must be at least two people, including the Gothi. So if we're going to have a bloat in the Huguenhoff kindred, we have to have our Gothi. Right, and um, since I live in the middle of nowhere, more often than that, that's just Lauren and I. Because, unfortunately, Lauren lives very far away now that I've moved out to the middle of nowhere. Um, (laughs) Comes when he can, though. Try. All right, here's another one. It was nice when we lived close, though. It was. It really was. I miss that a lot. Um, moving on only kin can vote kith may speak all else can listen this is basically when we have a thing or an all thing yeah Uh, yeah yeah um only kin can vote you know if you're a kith or a guest we want to include you as much as we can but you are not tied to the kindred and the kindred rules aren't something that you're part of because i mean you're not you're not tied to the kindred. You're not truly part of the kindred, so you can't just go in there and vote if you haven't taken the proper, shown the proper dedication that you want what's in the best kindred of the or the best interest of the kindred, yep. basically. All right, and the last, last one, one, which uh, you may have to define a couple of words here for people. Yes. All members maintain frith and grith, or be suspended from the kindred until further notice. Okay, Frith and Grith 
is basically peace and well-being. That means even if it's something that's not completely violating one of these other laws, if you come in and throw baloney at me or something, or you're just rude, you're causing trouble, you're trying to disrupt things, you can be suspended from the kindred until further notice. So that can be indefinitely. Um, and again, that would be for people who are just there to make trouble. They're not. They're being careful not to break a particular law. They're not, you know, hailing Loki or something. But they're causing trouble and they're making the situation bad for everybody. And they're making bloats not fun for everybody. I retain the right to ask those people to leave, and I can suspend them indefinitely. And you know, if if it's something where they were just having a bad day and they they cussed me out or something, I might say you're suspended for the next bloat. But we can talk about this and work through it, and I can let you back in. Or if it's something where they're just being completely disrespectful to everybody and they have no desire to change, I'm probably just going to have to kick them out because it obviously is not working for them and they're not showing proper respect. And, I mean, we have rules because situations like this may arise. I don't believe they have so far. They have not. We're just – we make rules because we are cautious. Exactly. Because we yes. don't we, – we see that there are trouble – Elsewhere, we want to make sure that trouble doesn't happen for us or our people who are enjoying the time that they have with us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, um, these first episodes, I guess everyone's probably kind of caught on to now, are sort of an introduction to Ossetru and an introduction into the Hugenhoff kindred in particular. So last time Lauren and I talked about what we might say to people who were thinking about joining, the questions we'd ask them. Uh, today we went over our purpose of statement, our kindred laws, um, and kind of discussed what it takes to be in the kindred, what it takes to be part of the kindred. Um, the I'm not sure what the next show is going to be about yet. Uh, just to give people some ideas of what is coming up, though, we will be getting more into the mythology, discussing which gods do what, um, talking about the importance of gods, uh, you know, maybe describe Odin or Bragi or Frega or any of the gods and goddesses in, in further detail and get more into the mythology. I'm also going to do a rune podcast. Um, that will possibly be the next one. I haven't decided yet, but there will be a rune podcast coming. If you do visit our website at hugenhoff.org, you will notice I have added a rune page recently, which just uh, shows all of the runes and a very quick, to-the-point definition. Um, I will be expanding on those definitions significantly, talking about how the runes go together and, and other things like that. So there will be some more podcasts coming out about the runes and then the gods. Those are probably going to be the next series that I do. So that's what's coming up. Uh, let me go ahead and ask Lore if you have anything you'd like to add. Um, I don't believe so, but uh, other than uh, if you happen to be of our ancestry, I think it'd be very good to go take a look at it. It's it's a lot of fun. Okay, and uh, Lauren, did you have anything else to add? Nope. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thanks for listening to our boring droning on. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay, well, I would just like to, uh, Lore, definitely thank you for coming on. It was good to have you on the podcast, and we'll have to have you on again in the future. Cool. 
Um, Lauren, of course, as always, thank you for joining me because no one wants to listen to just me ramble. Uh, (laughs) Thank you to both of my guests today. And if you had any questions, comments, um, maybe you disagree with us, maybe you just wanted to add more to the conversation or get some clarification, or if you have any idea for upcoming shows, because I'm most interested in what you as the listener want to listen to, send those to hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. Um, also, feel free to visit the website at www.hugenhoff.org. And thanks again for listening. Everyone have a good rest of their month. Frau Hale. Frau Hale. Frau Hale.